I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Here I go. Welcome back to Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's phenomenal episode, I got to have my homie slash legend in the field of psychiatry. Dr. Dan Engel. A little Dan bio here. Dr. Dan Engel is board certified in psychiatry and neurology with a clinical practice that combines functional medicine, integrative psychiatry, neurocognitive restoration, and peak performance methods. Um, He has a clinic out in Boulder, Colorado that I was just at um, called uh, Revive. Highly recommend folks checking that out if you have any interest in how to cultivate your neurons, cultivate your brain capacity. I'm sure I'm not describing that right at all, but um, get after Dan Engel, actually, and learn more about this place. Um, this conversation spans a variety of topics. We get into trauma being stored in the body. We get into the consciousness of plants, uh, all sorts of great stuff. I hope you absolutely love it. Thank you so much for tuning into the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can start the five-day movement challenge that will instruct you on how to integrate the optimal practices of movement into your everyday experience. So how to sit, stand, walk, breathe, and uh, generally get your body out of pain, into flexibility, strength, all that stuff, just from moving better on a momentary basis. Five-day movement challenge, start that thing, and you can also see show notes for this and the rest of the episodes. Um, Thank you so much, folks, for leaving reviews on iTunes. Really appreciate that. Uh, I got a review here from Meg Moore in Colorado. I feel like I might know Meg Moore. I'm not sure. Uh, Keeps me, now it's awkward if I do know Meg Moore. Now I've offended her. I apologize. Keeps me inspired and X dot dot dot. I can read the rest of it. Five stars. It's easy to head down a rabbit hole leading nowhere with really anything today, especially podcasts. The Align Podcast is a rabbit hole I found myself actually grateful to be in. Every episode gives me things to seriously think about, words of wisdom, and lessons to work to integrate into my life. I think most importantly, Align Podcast makes me feel a little less alone in all this. Each episode is an awesome conversation with so many takeaways. Thanks for all you do, Aaron! Exclamation point. Thank you, Meg. Uh, hit me up at Align Band on the Instagram, and we will send you out some deliciousness from on it. It's going to be really great. Uh, this conversation was recorded live. I don't know why I said that. I don't think that makes any sense. Um, every conversation is recorded live. Um, it was recorded on the side of the road in, on Pearl Street in like this little parky area. Uh, me and Dan hanging out, shooting the shit, and I uh, hope you guys absolutely devour and love this thing. Dan is, he's like one of my favorite people in the world. Hope you dig it. Here we go. Back to the show. Align Podcast. I'm trying to lighten up in this decade. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's my, I'm like, maybe sitting's not all that bad, actually. Keep variable. <laughs> yeah. All right. So and when I do sit, I love sitting on balls. Oh, that's good. Because it keeps pumping everything. Pump the juices. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love the juice pump. All right, I think we're recording, man. We're in here. We got some random people talking stuff, talking story here. So we're out here on the middle of Pearl Street. Pearl and what? Eighth, seventh, ninth or so. 
Looks like actually Walnut and Ninth. Walnut and Ninth. So Dr. Dan and I have been just been wandering around doing some recon, trying to find the perfect place to do this. Some people call that stalking. I think yeah. And now <laughs> we are uh, yeah, we're posted up. Um, so the question before is the consciousness of plants. Oh, right. You got some information on that. Yeah, well, it can be, <laughs> we could talk about that in a Western North American perspective or a South American shamanic perspective. Hmm. We'll start with the first one. Please. Yeah. <laughs> and this was uh, from some research that I read originally in the book The Field by Lynn McTaggart. Really good uh, discussion about some of the early research into quantum physics and the morphogenetic resonance between plants and essentially all life. They speak about that in Avatar, right? Like everything right. is connected. And, and Sigourney Weaver's uh, characters, like there are 10 to the 20th trillion connections between all of these trees. And the guy that wants the unobtainium is like, what have you guys been smoking out there? Because when we're in that really linear me, mine, and I orientation, the subtle realms become less interesting because I'm just so focused on this thing that I think that I deserve or I need to get to. Mm. But everything's connected. And that early research, just one of the um, experiments that's oftentimes cited, and it hasn't been replicated. So there are some potential holes in the study design but it was also part of the early research that led to the lie detector test. Mm. So there is some validity in it. And if you go back and you look at the research and then how that is expanded into Rupert Sheldrake's conversation about morphic resonance and the newer books on the block in the last year, like the physics of God speaking about the same kind of research and, and taking the conversation to the next level, essentially, that early research showed that when you hooked up a plant to essentially what would be a lie detector test or the equivalent of a EEG for plants. We got a truck. We got a big truck. We got a big truck. This is this is happening live, people. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're in the thick of it. We're in the thick of Boulder, Colorado. Among all these awesome flowers and plants and trees that are right around us. Um, if you have... If you have an EMG or the, the plant equivalent of an EEG hooked up to a plant, and right before you go to cut it and make the intention to cut it, you'll see a blip on the radar. Yeah. And then that expanded into in your question that kind of led into this conversation is like, what's consciousness in plants versus animals? And there's been similar studies with pets that are entrained to their human and to their person and when something happens to their person, there's an immediate read and blip that's a change in their physiology that you can read in their nervous system. Mm. So what does all that mean? Well, the potential implications is like not only are you and I connected, especially when we're entrained with each other. And you can test that. And that's also been done in um, these chambers that are electromagnetically soundproof and you have people that have been entrained through either connection or deep states of meditation and then through that entrainment if something happens to one person in one of those chambers it happens instantaneously mm. you see the read on the EEG 
instantaneously in the other person as well. Wow. And that's faster than light, and it's non-local phenomena. And so all of this stuff, and we were talking earlier too about like the, the, the trifecta of metaphysical <laughs> hubs in the States being like Sedona, where I lived for five years, so we can really get into the the metaphysical vocabulary of it, and Shasta and Kauai, right? Like, so all these hubs that are electrically charged, spiritually activated, you know, what does that mean? Is this just way out there in Never Never Land, or is there actually some scientific substrate that we can refer to and that's actually meaningful for our lives? This is why I think where it starts to get more interesting. Yeah, there's a, a quote paraphrase it's not exactly this but einstein said something along the lines of, of what you can see is based off of the theory that you have going into it mm-hmm. that's not what he said he said it way better than that but like your theory on the world dictates the filter that you perceive yeah everything yeah you know and so i actually i trip on that out trip out on that sometimes in relation to like did you ever see ghosts and shit like that Do you ever have any kind of like oh so this is so this brings back that that's a great question because it it speaks about the the South American or shamanic perspective of plant intelligence and plant energies and the energy of the spiritual aspects of plants, hmm. plant spirit medicine. Hmm. And um, it's kind of disrespectful why I said ghost, by the way. I was almost like being silly, but any type of, you know, spiritual right. something that's like yeah. not perceivable by most of us right. but then there seems to be consistency with a lot of people are like no right we're right there all in the it. traditional practices and cultures speak of energy outside of human form like we're not just the only ones blessed with consciousness like all living things have consciousness just varying degrees and at varying speeds and there is consciousness outside of the body as well or this phenomena with ghosts wouldn't happen and wouldn't be replicated and talked about in all cultures. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. From the Buddhist perspective, there's this thing around the bardos and this place in between lives. And I've heard it described, and it kind of makes sense that when there's a violent death that essentially rips the consciousness out of the body and the body's no longer housing, it's not... um, uh, there's no vitality to hold that consciousness in there, like shootings or bad car wrecks or some kind of like traumatic death, and the consciousness gets ripped out of the body. That can be such a jarring experience that it can create this phenomena where there's not an easy transition across the veils into wherever we go back when we're no longer in these bodies. Yeah. And if there are lives and our ego wraps itself around the potential um, make sensibility of past lives and future lives in this kind of linear context or in some some traditions they speak about everything happening in this one moment and not necessarily their past or future lives but they're more like parallel lives because there's a lot of things happening simultaneously so if consciousness gets ripped out and then it's just in like this kind of disorienting place is oftentimes this is what happens with people with something like 5-MeO-DMT because it's so strong if they haven't been prepared then they can go through this freak out and create trauma and mm. people do get traumatized by medicines like that and so if in death if trauma happens and the consciousness gets ripped out of the body it's more likely that there's going to be this in-between phase because it's like holy shit I was just in a body 
And of course, this is all just like us trying to make sense of it. Who, and who knows if this is actually true or not, but yeah. it kind of makes sense to my brain. Like, oh my gosh, what just happened? I was just in a body that was such a massive transition. Like, I don't know how to, my consciousness doesn't know how to make that, that passage, that trajectory and that transition. Oftentimes in near death experiences, there's be this consistent theme of helping angels or ancestors or some, some other consciousness stewarding our consciousness at the time of death towards its transition hmm. and across those veils. But if there's such a massive, quick shift, then that can leave a wanting or a grasping, like a ghost or like some disembodied entity, non-physical entity, non-physical intelligence and energy, trying to figure out how to get back in. Hmm. Yeah, my wonder with that is sometimes, you know, everyone's experienced like getting the, you know, the hairs popping up on the back of your neck kind of thing. You're like, oh, it feels like there's something something in here or whatever. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just, I watched too many scary movies when I was 10 or whatever it is. Um, but I kind of, I've kind of consciously like, I think kept that door closed of, of being able to, to perceive and see and, and, and feel that type of world. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like, I don't know if I really need that. <laughs> you know, like, I don't, like that's interesting that people can have that and be able to, you know, but I'm like, I'm like, I think I'm all right. Just like working on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I wonder if you can almost like consciously open yourself up. That's like, you know, I grew up in like a Christian family where they're like, stay away from the tarot cards and stay away from all that stuff. Stay away from yoga. <laughs> you know, anything that can be perceived as like non-Christian. Um, so I'm probably working on work, unwinding some of that stuff anyway. But I think there's been like a, a bit of a seed of fear around me and kind of like, intentionally just keeping that door closed. Mm. And I wonder if I did pursue opening that door to kind of like seeing and feeling and hearing into like a more like that, like tangible spiritual realm. Um, and I'm thinking like poltergeists, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, I've opened all the, all the other parts, but like small little girl drowned right under the, you know, nearby. And now she's here and I'm like guiding her back. I wonder if there's some way to bridge that from this consciousness of like, okay, I'm, I think I'm ready to perceive that. Yeah. Or is that something that just randomly happens to people? Or yeah. is it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> we were speaking about this earlier in regards to kids being more open. Right. Right, and, and what does it look like to have that beginner's mind and that curiosity? And we tend to be open until we're told not to. Right. Like it's not convenient, it's not what you should be doing. Those things that you're seeing aren't real. Stop playing with your imaginary friends and or your penis, right? <laughs> or it'll fall Star off. And they're like all kinds of from a young age. Total programs. Don't play with anything. Total programs. <laughs> and how many? Like, what? What's the size of our library of programs that we're trying to decouple and heal and give back? And realize like that's not. I didn't choose that. Yeah. Consciously, as a little being, I, I just adopted somebody else's program because it was more convenient for them. Yeah. Not necessarily convenient for me. Yeah. So what is what do I choose to believe? I've seen some amazing stuff happen in the middle of ceremony. So we're talking about like non non local entity, and somebody going through a an ex what would essentially be an exorcism. It's essentially just 
dark, confused energy stuck to our body and mind in some capacity. And I've seen... Can you elaborate on what dark, confused energy is for people that might not be, like, well-steeped in that? Yeah, it's... We could think of it in terms of these traumatic experiences. Like, some people experience really horrific things. Yeah. Um, Especially women. Especially at the hands of confused older men. And this is just a classic example. And there's a lot of other variances, but just like what's happening in the Me Too movement and in the in the the recognition of how many people were abused at the hands of Catholic priests. And if there is some hierarchy, if there is some physical or sexual abuse happens, then that can create a massive trauma in the space. In the energy body, in the emotional body, and in the spiritual body, and and it can be so confusing and so overwhelming that a part of ourselves, a part of our psyche, splits off to hold that experience, like in a cupboard somewhere, because it was way too much to grok. And that's a survival strategy. That's a safety mechanism. Mechanism the ego goes through. At, at in order to keep ourselves safe. So that can be a confused energy. That can be a dark energy. Like if somebody is in the midst of traumatizing me and I'm a really open, young little person, like a sponge, then that energy can get infused. Hmm. And so there's a variety of different reasons. This is just one example of hundreds of different examples that we could probably elaborate on. And in the midst of ceremony... When I was living down in the jungle, we would consistently see just weird stuff happen in the space and somebody actually going through an exorcism and a dark energy coming out of them and scurrying across the floor and everybody's head turning towards it. Wow. It wasn't just me seeing that and like making that up unless it was like group hallucination and everybody... And the Westerners, myself included, kind of freaked out, like, holy sh! what the heck is that? That's freaking creepy. Yeah. And then the maestras, maestras, like the, the facilitators laughing at it with this, like, irreverent kind of humor. Like, oh, that's just darkness leaving the space. Wow. That's just confused energy. That's just like a roach just scurrying across the floor. Wow. And kind of laughing at how much we freaked out about that. Because we don't have a we don't have a context for that except something like poltergeist. Right. Because in our media and in our in our um, attraction for like these really strong experiences that sometimes get get promoted in the the next cool sci-fi horror movie that we all seem to be gravitating to, myself included at times. Right. Less so now, just because I don't like to have that kind of stuff in my head and it creates crazy dreams. Um, that the context that we have for energy that's not ours living or residing within us would be something evil versus just something confused. Like something that just is looking for a body. And if I'm mindless or oftentimes mindless through drugs and alcohol or through trauma and I'm just kind of walking around in this dazed and confused state, it makes it more likely that I can be the recipient of some kind of energetic hitchhiker. Yeah. 
it's um, so I'm, I'm all enamored with the whole polyvagal theory stuff and just like like the, how the nervous the nervous systems roll in all these conversations and um, there's something I was reading recently was that people that end up going through some type of trauma sexual abuse domestic abuse whatever it may be they end up being statistically significantly higher chance of coming you know having like diabetes or COPD or, or different types of like respiratory or heart issues or depression or like fill in the blank bummer of a situation it's like okay well now you have this kind of torque you have this twist in your system and now you are potentially stuck in more of like this fight flight place or maybe a little more than like this i call it dorsal vagal state like like um more of like a freeze type place mm -hmm. you know so that's more of like a western kind of description of like okay it's the nervous system and you know and then there's this other description it's like oh there's like this dark energy like a parasite that got attached and it yeah. feels like they're almost saying maybe the same thing Something but in, like, in like different languages yeah do you have any sense of how to start to work with that beyond maybe like a like a you know peruvian psychedelic <laughs> ceremony that might not totally. be accessible for you know yeah well and, and even mind body medicine that's been accelerating over the last 30 years will speak about the mind body connection and the fact that we create specific physiologic states by what's happening in our mind and what's happening in our heart and there's a ton of neuronal information that's housed in the heart <laughs> and vice versa. Like that many of the, some of the old teachings and traditions would describe the, lo the longest path a man would take as the road between his heart and his mind. Right. And connecting those two. I kind of think of it <laughs> similarly, but also I tend to be a science and a researcher too. So it's important to see the data and, and be able to make it usable. Like, okay, so if, if all this is true, how do, what does that mean for me? And how can I make that this information usable? Because it sounds really esoteric and potentially pretty quacky. <laughs> so I think of it in, in terms of like Russian dolls, like nested eggs. And we have these different bodies and these different energetic levels. Body, mind, heart, and soul. Body, physical, heart, emotional, mind, mental and soul or like what what's our deepest connection to fulfillment and our deepest connection to spirit and what w would be more esoteric but substantive like the, the thing that the substance of our lives and so if we have all these different bodies then we can have vitality and health in any of these bodies and we can also have imprints and points of illness and points of stress in any of these bodies and if we're, if we're stressed in any of these bodies, then I also think it makes it more likely that anything that we're predisposed to would become more expressed. So in this polyvagal theory, if somebody's living in a fight or flight state or sympathetic overdrive and their cortisol is completely ramped and their inflammatory markers are completely ramped and they're predisposed to heart disease or diabetes or cancer of some form then it's going to be more likely to get expressed if they're consistently in sympathetic overdrive and they're having a harder time accessing parasympathetic tone rest and rejuvenation rest and rehabilitation rest and digestion that's why i think f things like flotation therapy is just super helpful for so many people because it really starts to ramp up the parasympathetic tone again and if if stress is the most consistent common denominator of all chronic disease, which it is, and there's a ton of literature 
to not only suggest that but prove that, if that's the case, then anything that's going to help unravel that stress and allow, for example, the nervous system to come back to parasympathetic tone is going to help. And also, anything that's going to help us identify the core issue that created the stress in the first place. And for many of us in our Western busyness, right, our, our nervous systems are just trying to keep up with the pace of technology. And if we're consistently focused on extrinsic goals, what my identification is because of programming around success, like I have to have so much money and have to have this kind of car and home and physique and partner. And if I'm consistently looking outside of myself for validation and success, and that's a just chasing my tail rat race because it doesn't end. That process doesn't typically end unless you've yeah. hit the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. I don't think it ends at that point. And then it doesn't end at that point. Because at some point you need to own Mars or you need to own, there's, there's never, an, an, I don't think there's an any point right. on it. And, and, and that's ultimately not inner, uh, inwardly fulfilling. Those aren't intrinsic goals. So my intrinsic goal is to develop myself as a person and actually feel good about myself and love my, do the best I can to love myself fully in every arena in every way. Love myself as much as I would love my best friend. Right? But we don't tend to do that. We tend to be harshest to ourselves. We're walking around these really intense internal critics saying that we're always supposed to do more, be more, have more, achieve more. Yeah. And so you're right. It, it doesn't end because ultimately if we're trying to come back to peace and happiness, then those are very intrinsically oriented. Wanted to take a quick moment to thank Thrive Market for supporting this podcast. Thrive Market is an online grocery service that you guys absolutely need to check out. Um, first of all, it's way more cost efficient than shopping in a grocery store. They cut out the middleman, uh, so you can get up to 50% off on most things that you'd find in the grocery store. Secondly, maybe firstly, both equally important. Um, they really, truly give a dang about the products that they have on there. So everything is highly curated, no GMO stuff. You don't need to read the labels because they've already done that for you. I personally know the owner of this, and um, he truly, truly cares about the quality of the products. And I uh, highly recommend you guys checking them out. So you can go to uh, thrivemarket.com slash align. Thrivemarket.com slash align. On there, you get 25% off your purchase and a free month's membership to Thrive Mother Flippin' Market. Uh, highly recommend these guys. They also some fun facts. They use zero waste, so they are all the all the uh, containers and everything that you're getting. They're all from recycled products, um, up to fifty percent off of the purchases, as I'd mentioned, and uh, really great stuff. Door to door service. Does that make sense? Door to door, uh, website to door service. Anyway, strivemarket.com/slash/align. Twenty five percent off, free month membership. Boom, enjoy. Yeah, feels like almost maybe I don't know because I'm not even close to the one percent. But um, as you get deeper in that, maybe like the, that superficial layer of the Russian dolls, like more, you just have more property and more things and more stuff. It almost feels to me like you're pushing yourself like deeper into the quicksand, or like, it's like you're, you know, before you were topical, you're just playing with that stuff. <laughs> I got a Lamborghini. You know, you kind of like put your hand in. <laughs> as you get deeper in, you're like getting close to like maybe I could own Mars. You're like. Whoa. 
right. really right. <laughs> push it throttle in. down. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. I wonder. I wonder how do people communicate into the other, like scrub the other layers of the Russian dolls, just to keep on. If that metaphor makes sense for people, mm-hmm. you know, go beyond the, the superficial layer and like, if there is some type of blemish or smudge, maybe on tier three of the doll setup, how do we how do we start to get into that? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And I, I think there are more universal approaches and more individual approaches. And for example, one of my teachers is the Dalai Lama. I studied Tibetan Buddhism for many years and he's, he just strikes me as one of the exemplified epitomes of human consciousness in our day and age. He's a leader of the Tibetan people He's been exiled from his home, and he's consistently teaching compassion and forgiveness. And actually had the opportunity to encourage these. Um, uh, what would they, uh, when you limit embargoes against China? Mm. And he's like, no, actually, we need to build relationships with China because even though they came in, and yes took over my country and murdered thousands and thousands of my people. We actually need to help them because they're confused. <laughs> like, whoa. And I just watched this um, film, The Ten, Qu- Ten Questions to the Dalai Lama. And the reason I was getting to that is that the first question that he's asked in this movie is something to the effect of the, the narrator and producer of the movie says, you know, I've traveled all over the world. And it seems like the people that I see that are the happiest are the ones that have the least. Yeah. And it's coming back to your point about throttling down, going from Lamborghini to Mars, and like, <laughs> where, where does it end? The hole just gets bigger. It just gets bigger. Yeah. And, and the was like, you know, when people have more, they fear more. Yeah. Because there's more to lose. Versus if you don't have a whole lot, then you're oftentimes really grateful for what you do have. You've probably hitchhiked, right? I have. Yeah. Do you, did you notice that experience? I've, I've hitchhiked like in various different countries and just like all different spots and seen, uh, you kind of have a sense of the car that's going to pick you up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like it's not going to be, it's not going to be the Escalade that has like nine extra seats, Right. you know, (laughs) or even the really nice jacked up truck that has a whole open back space. Right. You know, it's going to be like the beater truck where one of the hubs is kind of like, you you can like see like, okay, cool. They don't have a lot to protect. You know, it's it's really it's very interesting. And that's that a great analogy too when you're speaking about like the polishing of the other layers. I think about it in 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 terms of how much is how what's the energetic armor and the protection around somebody's heart. Yeah. You know, so if we're in relationship, if we're in intimate relationship with people, how accessible is their heart and their deeper and their deeper intimacy? How much has that been polished? Hmm. And the mind and the mental aspect and how much has that diamond been polished? What, what are people's beliefs around um, the compassion that is just inherently feels good to offer others and the forgiveness that inherently feels good versus the resentment that people can carry around and just be poisoned by? Yeah. And so I, I do believe that the most beautiful people that 
we have the opportunity to come into contact with have polished all the layers and may not be the most attractive on the outside, but just shine from the inside and have this authenticity that starts to develop and this reverence for life and this curiosity about life and this like child's mind and there's not as much busyness and not as much future orientation of like really what has to happen and what I have to get to. And there's not as much past orientation, like what I'm still stuck in and resentful for, or depressed by, or, or really wished would have happened and didn't. And there's an opportunity that we consistently have to be ever more present in the now and the here, because ultimately at the end of the day, that's the only, this is the only moment that there really is. Mm. You and I sitting in the sunshine, shirtless having a conversation. No shoes, no shirt. <laughs> this is like so stereotypical Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a beautiful day. <laughs> it is a beautiful day. Uh, what is your time like? I feel like you were we're, we're getting close to you got a yeah. mastermind. I think you're already over what we're supposed to do, right? Yeah. What did you say? Was it eleven? Yeah. You got to roll. I got to roll. Gah. All right, let's keep doing this at some point. Another yeah. another time. Uh, how do people learn more about your stuff and keep on following along? Yeah, good question. Thanks for asking. Yeah, of course. Um, a few websites. Full Spectrum Medicine is our education and advocacy platform around the right use of psychedelic medicines and psychedelic medical research and how that's changing the field of psychiatric medicine in general. That's uh, fullspectrummedicine.com. Uh, com is just a, a little bit about the various projects that I'm involved in and up to. We're about to launch Bold, uh, Brain Optimization and Lifestyle Design. That's a six-week webinar that starts this week with your buddy Ryan. Cool. And um, I'm really excited about that because that has the potential to really reach a whole lot of different demographics from the repair and recovery space to the optimization and, like, neurohacking space. And the platform and the, and the model is ubiquitous because just like you were talking about earlier as um, you were sharing with me the book that you're going to be launching on movement practices. Yeah. You can't argue with any of those movement practices because they're inherently engaged in optimizing life and optimizing the skeletal structure and like our engagement with our vitality. Same thing with bold hmm. and these practices around oxygenation, nutrition, movement, and frequency technologies like light, sound, and pulse electromagnetic fields. And what are the at-home versions of people being able to do this all the way up to people with severe stroke and TBI and concussion and dementia and et cetera? How can they access these just fundamental practices? Um, and then uh, the, that stems from the concussion repair manual that I launched last year. And then there's uh, another three or four books that are going to be shortly forthcoming. Cool. Yeah, brother. Can't wait. Yeah. Let's keep doing this. Excellent. Always good to see you. <laughs> Thank <man>. you. Totally. <laughs> I appreciate it. We got to do a, a photo. Let's do it. For the, for the socials. Let's All right, over it. now. Pow. Align Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. There's some ways that you can support this podcast, one of which you can pick up an Align Band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band. comes along with a door anchor and a carrying case and a video guide on how to mobilize those joints and integrate that body of yours. Really great stuff. You can be found at AlignTherapy.com and also on Amazon.com. Um, thank you also so much for utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the right-hand sidebar of the podcast page. Bookmark that thing. Anytime you purchase some crap on Amazon, purchase that crap. Through that link, we get a percentage of it. costs you nothing. And 
I think that's enough. Thank you guys so much for reviews on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Have a beautiful rest of your day.